Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're going to be talking about next week. Just kind of, just kind of give our take on it. So we're your hosts today, TJ Branson, Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. All right, man. Let's start with the injuries. Matthew Kachuk drew back into the lineup. So did Rasmus Dahlin and Eric Stahl. So they're back. In Vancouver, Michael Furland and Thatcher Demko are moved to IR. Michael DiPietro is called up in Demko's place. Demko was concussed during Wednesday's practice. I don't know how long-term that's going to be. In Pittsburgh, Evgeny Malkin was sick tonight. I don't expect that to be long-term in any way. It was weird. Uh, Gensel was at center with Galchenyuk and Rust on the wings. So, In New Jersey, Nico Heischer is back at practice. He was on IR with a sickness. In Chicago, Calvin DeHaan was moved to IR retroactive to December 10th. He's definitely going to miss the next three games. He is eligible to come back on the 17th. In Detroit, there's some hopeful news going on. Anthony Mantha is slated to return next week. That is just something that they're hoping. And Andreas Athanasiu is nearing a return. Jimmy Howard, on the other hand, is not close to returning. In Tampa, Tyler Johnson is going to miss at least one more game after tonight's game versus the Bruins. And that's what we got in the way of the injury report. So I was looking into a little more of this Taylor Hall talk. It dominates certain parts of um, hockey Twitter, hockey news, stuff like that. December 19th is the NHL roster freeze, and they are hyping it up in some sort of way about Taylor Hall, saying that teams need to make a move for it. Uh, Apparently Montreal is out, which is kind of a bummer. I thought that would have been neat. But the NHL roster freeze is basically just a short stretch of days that prevents a player from being traded during the holiday season from December 19th to December 27th. But it seems like certain outlets out there are blowing this one up, trying to make something out of nothing with Taylor Hall, calling this one a deadline. So it's been all season. I want him to go somewhere. I'm not going to lie. I want him to go somewhere. I want him to go somewhere cool. Let's talk some line changes, man. Some pretty big ones coming out of San Jose. Timo Meyer moved to the top line spot under new coach Bob Booner. They had just had their first power play. It's like 11.30 on a Thursday night for us. Power play one was LeBlanc, Burns, Carlson, Couture, and Evander Kane. LeBlanc was playing the high slot. Carlson was on the right side. Couture on the left. Kane was the net front. And Burns was playing the flank all by himself. Burns stayed out for the entire two minutes. He was on the second power play uh, with Thornton. Blakefield, Blishfield, not sure how to say this guy's name. Um, Hurdle in the high slot. Meyer was the net front. And at the moment, there is no Patrick Marlowe on the power play. Uh, Also, they moved Hurdle to the wing at even strength. Jumbo Joe is the second line center. Let's see if something takes here. This is like one of the coaching changes where we saw immediate moves. So this is something I'm personally going to be monitoring closely. See if anything really, anything happens. In Vegas, Alex Tuck was a late game switch to the top line with the Knights down two goals to the Blues. They were looking for a spark. Nothing came of it. Uh, They moved Riley Smith down to the third line with Paul Stasny and Valentin Zikov. You know who did get some points, though? Ryan Reeves, right? Ryan Ryan Reeves. That's wild. Couldn't Uh, couldn't believe it when I saw it. Yeah, I was stunned, too. So with Alex Tuck being the one that was moved up to the top line, not Mark Stone, not, you know, Pacioretty moving to the other side or anything like that, it does bode well for maybe the next game, maybe um, maybe tomorrow, maybe Sunday, that he will be the top line guy. Who knows? It's just something small that I noticed. In New York, Brendan Lemieux was out of the lineup. The New York Lions against San Jose are Kreider, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich with Panarin, Strom, and Kako. Uh, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be different by the end of the first period because David Quinn is a antsy little bitch but that's what we got in line changes that's what we got there let's talk about the week ahead it's your typical uh fantasy hockey week monday wednesday friday and sunday are the off nights tuesday thursday saturday back to normal heavies there's a ton of four game teams man ton of four game teams out there 
Edmonton, Colorado, Columbus, Anaheim, Dallas, Nashville, and Ottawa. And we got no two-game teams. There's a couple schedules that I thought were kind of bad. Uh, Minnesota, they got three heavy nights. They're at Vegas, at Arizona, and home against Winnipeg. And something else I noticed with this week's schedule, I don't know if you noticed the same thing, Zach, but there are a lot of three-day gaps. Um, you got you got Detroit from Wednesday to Saturday. They don't play. And Detroit players are already bad enough to own, except for Robbie friggin' Fabry. Yeah, I guess. Today was the first day I benched Dylan Larkin over somebody. I, I've been holding out hope for the longest time, but I put Cali Yarncroke in instead of Dylan Larkin, and it was the right choice. So that's kind of a bummer. Florida, they have a gap between Tuesday and Friday. New Jersey starts the week this Sunday, and then they don't play again until Wednesday. San Jose, they have a Wednesday through Saturday break, and Washington goes Tuesday through Friday. So it's just strange. Maybe I didn't notice before. Maybe I, this has been happening all year, and I just haven't picked up on it. But this week, it, it stood out to me. But out of those teams that have like a three-day gap, you got to like New York's the most. At least all three of those games are all on off nights on Monday, Friday, and Sunday. So yeah. they have that that primo Friday, Sunday tilt during the weekend. But all off nights, even though there's a three-day gap. Yeah, that gives you plenty of time for like a drop on Monday and then be able to pick them back up on Friday if that's something you were... I mean, if it can slip under the radar, you know, like you're not mm-hmm. dropping a, a friggin' Panarin or a Tony D'Angelo or something. Uh, in the way of best streaming schedules, personally, I like Dallas the most, man. They got three off nights, Monday, Friday, and Sunday. They're going to play Edmonton, Florida, and Calgary on those days. And then they got Tampa on Thursday. So they got four games, three off nights. That's something I want to pick up on. Edmonton, they only have three games, but they're all on off nights. They're Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Dallas, St. Louis, and Pittsburgh. No, do they have do they have four games? Edmonton does have four. Okay. They play at Dallas on Monday, at St. Louis on Wednesday, back at home on Friday versus Pittsburgh, and a back-to-back second half versus Montreal also at home. So I like Edmonton. I would stream an Edmonton player and then drop probably even Saturday. Yeah, I would make that move for Saturday so that I can pick up on Sunday. Talk about some uh, some streaming spots on Sunday. That New York Rangers and Anaheim game, that's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, I also like New York Rangers, like you were saying, uh, with that three-day gap. Colorado, they got four games, two off nights, and it's it's an early week for them, from what I remember. Yeah, so yeah they, they're, they're definitely top-heavy on the first half of the week. It's a good early week stream, so if, if there's something like late, if you can make a... Colorado start of the week and then a Dallas end of the week. That is something that I'd be looking at doing. Well, let's that get into might, it. That might be something that we might be talking about, TJ. <laughs> I got a feeling. Um, all right, let's get our first break out of the way, and then we're going to be talking some streamers here. All right, so we're back from the first commercial. So we're going to start looking at at who to pick up for next week and the teams that we'd like, because that that's usually how at least I do it. I know, TJ. I'll look at whose schedule I like. And then I say, okay, who's out there? Who can I look at just from this team? Because those are the people I'm targeting. We talked about Edmonton's schedule. They have a they have a super solid schedule, being on three off nights to start the week. So it's at Dallas on Monday, at St. Louis on Wednesday, and like I said earlier, back at home versus Pittsburgh on Friday. So you got to look up and down the lines. And then I see Joachim Nygaard. Why the hell is... This guy on the first line. But you know what? He's playing McDavid. Yeah. He is 0% owned in Yahoo and 0.3% owned in ESPN. If you want to talk about stretch passes, 
Joachim Nygaard might be it. He's not only playing with McDavid, but he's also getting some second uh, power play deployment time. What's odd is, okay, so he's this guy that you really don't hear much from. But he has a goal and two assists in his last five. But actually, it's his last two. His past two games, he has one goal and two assists. He has two goals and three assists on the freaking year yeah. with 17 games played. One one of which, one of those goals on the power play. So, I mean, he is, you know, putting in some power play time at least. I think he's definitely worth a look while he's playing with McDavid, and that's about it. He's not really going to help you too much around the ice with, like, hits, blocks, stuff like that. He's only shooting a little over one shot a game, and that's at a 7.7 shooting percentage. Not too bad. I feel like there could be room for improvement. But you're not going to shoot a lot when you're playing with McDavid. It's just not going to happen. Well, yeah. unless unless you're Leon Dreisaitl. That's where a lot of my nerves with Joaquin Nygaard come in. All right, so they, they have a pretty tough week coming up. They're going to see Dallas. They're going to see St. Louis, Pittsburgh, and Montreal. The likelihood of them not putting that top the top line that we're used to, at least, together, I don't know how confident I am in that. You know what I mean? Like The chances of Nygaard, Nygaard being up there for the whole week is kind of slim. So if you have limited ads for the week or you have a weekly lock-in, Nygaard, Nygaard, not sure which it is yet. I think it's Nygaard. That's not somebody I'm touching. Anybody that's flanking McDavid, the same thing can be said about Cassian. He's usually the go-to anytime we talk about streamers in Edmonton. 47% Yahoo, 26 in ESPN, right wing. So just this is just in his last game. He had two goals, 14 penalty minutes, five shots on goal, and added in four hits there. Tonight, he didn't have anything, not even not even any hits. Actually, he, no, he had an assist, but no hits, which is kind of uncharacteristic of him. 18 minutes ice time tonight, so the minutes are really there. He's been pretty much a staple on that top line all year, so I'm definitely confident in Cashian. If this is somebody that, going back to it, if you have limited ads, something like that, Cashian is the guy you want to be looking at. The peripherals are great. The exposure is great. In his last five, he did miss three games with his with a back injury, so... I was kind of skipping those games in his last five. 20 penalty minutes, 13 shots on goal, 12 hits, one block, three goals, and an assist tonight. That's my lock for Edmonton is Cassian. If he's out there, if he's not out there, Zach, I know we both kind of agree on Alex Chase on here. Yeah, I, I do like Alex Chase on. I mean, he's only 1% owned in Yahoo, 3% ESPN. So he is, well, he's in almost every league available. But he has a goal and three assists in his last five games. I mean, I, I can't overlook something like that. Uh, it's not like he's killing it on the year. He has three goals and seven assists on the year. But dude, out of those three and seven, two goals and three assists are on the power play. I'm perfectly fine with that. I, he, he's thrown out 42 shots on the year, which isn't too bad considering he's at 28 games. He's what well, right there. Right there. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he's getting there. Uh, 7.1 shooting percentage, 18 pims on the year. I was surprised when I saw that, 18 pims. The biggest sell for me is he's playing with Brian Nugent Hopkins and Leon Drysaddle right now. Yeah, and, and that's something that I wanted to bring up too, and that's and that's one reason I have more faith in Chase on, on this one, just because he seems to have staying power on that top six. Right now he's playing, like you said, with Drysaddle and R&H, so you got to like Chase on at least more than a Yoko Nygaard. Yeah, for sure. But Zach Cassian has been pretty much slotted right next to McDavid all year. All year. So for me, it actually goes probably Cassian, then Chase on, then Nygaard at the bottom. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, all right, so Cheers to that. the next one we want to talk about, I got I got a couple of big question marks here with Colorado. Is Nishushkin worth a week long pickup? No. <laughs> I don't, think, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. But like, he has he, been fantastic lately. He's on his shit. It's been otherworldly. I definitely gave you props for that one. I I picked him up just because I was like, you know what? TJ sold me, so I picked him up in our in our money league, our home league, and dude got me an assist. It was yeah. his last game. He he got me an assist. Uh, they were playing Philadelphia, and they whooped Philadelphia's ass. Unfortunately, I thought it was going to be a higher scoring game. Still got me an assist. This one, to me, this is a gambler's pick. You know what I do like is the games against... They got two games against Chicago next week. One of them's on Saturday. One of them's on Wednesday. Chicago bleeds shots a little bit. And a little depth scoring, you know, down the lineup, third line, wherever Nishushkin might be. There's there's an opportunity there. But you're not going to... I don't think anything's going to happen against he St. Louis. Taken, he is taking over two shots a game. You know what I hate? His ice time. Yeah, that drops significantly. In his past three games, he has 1208, 1148, and 1448. Yeah. I mean, he's only a, a little over 13 minutes time on ice per game this year. Which is wild. He, yeah, he's still doing it. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Doing well right now. Okay, so he has three goals and one assist in his last five games. And he has five goals and four assists on the year. Yeah, it's been a heater. That's what it is. He's been on it. On and, it that's, like a bonnet. And, that, and that's why he's not a week-long ad. Okay. He's on a heater. Yeah. I don't see it going through the entire next week. And it's, and it's, dude, it's solely because of that ice time. You know somebody who I am sold on, and I wanted to bring up, Matt Calvert. He's got points in four games straight, he's for him at least. He took, he took a game off against Boston on the 7th for uh, personal reasons. But he's got four points, 11 shots on goal, around 15 minutes time on ice. Seven hits, three blocks. One of his two goals is shorthanded, 17 points in 24 games. He's on pace for 58 points in an 82-game season. He's almost getting a PIM a game, too. It's getting to the point where we really have to take this guy seriously. He's only 3% in ESPN and Yahoo. 97% of people are out on Mount Calvert right now, and he's doing a little bit of everything. That's a good one. That is that's, somebody that I like for, for a week long. That's that's a good one. And he, I mean, he's not getting bad deployment. He's not getting... He's over 14 minutes time on ice, but for somebody that's mainly playing on the third line, it's not bad. And I, th- I think he can keep going. Matt Calvert's somebody that I'm keeping my eye on. I actually, I just added him in one of our leagues for tomorrow's game. Nice. So what's your take on JT Comfer here? Uh, he had an assist against Philly. That makes for three assists in his last four games. The minutes are great outside of tonight for some mm-hmm. reason. He had 11. Yeah, that, but yeah, that like, odd 11 and a half minutes when he's usually playing almost 17. Yeah. Um, he was the second-line center for Kadri until last night. That probably has a lot to do with it. And now he's he's down on the fourth-line right-wing spot. What I what I really don't like, four out of his last five games, he's got zero shots. He is on the second power play. He's getting assists. I don't, I, I don't know how better. Like, he he's scoring. So it came to my attention. Like, I don't think there's much here, but I just wanted to get your take on it. Like, he's got... Three points in his last four games, and in all of those games, he has zero shots. Yeah, the the shots are killing me. I mean, I love the ice time. I think he's better suited on that third line as opposed to the fourth line, but that's just my yeah. opinion. Going to throw you in some some blocks and a hit every now and then. Not yeah, he's blocking hits, really well. But, uh, but yeah, he, I, he's going to throw in some blocks and a hit. I'm okay with it if you're going really deep. 
So I like we'll, Calvert better. Definitely me too. I Calvert, like Calvert better. Calvert's my favorite pick out of these guys. I know Don Scoria is going to be the next guy we're talking about here. And available seen, in half of leagues. You've seen me pick up Comfer on many occasions. Don Scoria, available in half of leagues. What is concerning is in three of his last four games, he has zero shots. Same as Calvert here, or Comfer here. Well, and, and that's one of my big ticks about Don Scoria as well. He only has 57 shots, and he's shooting at a 22.8 shooting percentage. And he's not out there helping you on hits. He's not out there helping you on blocks. He is, he is virtually done, and, and he might fall ass backwards into a hit. But, dude, this that 22.8% shooting percentage that kills me. But he has 13 goals and 14 assists. A lot of it due to riding shotgun with McKinnon, which apparently he's still doing. I can see them going right back to that stack top line, but no shots. He's got three shots in his last four games. You got to think that that's more of an outlier than anything. I don't know, man. This It seems like we're getting back to the San Jose Donskoy here. I hope not. I don't know. It's, well, just, then, just it's a heads just up. weird how he'll go from zero shots and then a bunch. He's yeah, like, hey, four. I'm going to shoot four, four shots this game. And then I'm going to do nothing. Then we'll pepper in a three-shot game. And then nothing again. Yeah, with two goals and two assists or something. So there, um, there's two other guys. And, and we just talked about Donskoy. But then there's Andre Burakovsky and Nazem Kadri, Both in and around 50% of leagues. So Burakovsky is 52% owned in Yahoo and 60% owned at ESPN. He only has a goal and an assist in his last five, but he does have 12 goals and 11 assists in 28 games on the year. Uh, not not doing too bad on the power play. Six of his assists are on the power play and one of his goals. He has just around two shots a game, but he's also shooting at a super huge unsustainable uh, shooting percentage, and that's 21.8. He's at 21.8%. Um, and he's another guy that just like Donskoy, he's not going to help you on hits. He's not going to help you on blocks. I don't know. I'm I'm lower on Burakot. So for me, when I'm ranking these guys, I got Kadri number one for sure. Donskoy next, and then Burakovsky at the bottom. And if if any of these guys are available in your league, specifically points leagues for for the second two, Kadri does add hits, which is why I like him a lot more. I don't know. I re- I really don't have anything. Like I think the bottom's about That's- to drop out for the both of these guys. So you think Kadri is well above the other two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Do, so do I. So do I. And and it, it, the percentages seem to agree. I mean, sixty five percent Yahoo, fifty three percent ESPN. What I like the most, we we're just talking about these high shooting percentages: twenty one point eight and twenty two point eight. Kadri, ten goals, eleven assists, thirteen point nine. Yeah, chilling. Yeah, uh, <laughs> super decent. I'm not as afraid of that as I am with those other two guys. You know what else you got to love about Nazem Khatri? 38 pims so he's, far in 28 games. That's that's his MO, dude. He's that's what it is. He's getting him a game. All three of these players are pretty much available in, in half the leagues, like you were saying. But it's it's got to be Khatri on this one. Uh, if we're getting a little deeper, I'm talking Ryan Graves right now. 38% in Yahoo, 11% in ESPN. 20 shots in his last 10 games, 6 points, 3 goals, 3 assists, 15 hits, 23 blocks, and 11 pims as well. Great for your peripherals. He's going to give you... He's even adding in offense, which is kind of strange. That's not something I expect out of him, but what I do love is those blocks. That's what I'm hitting him for because, you know, the the offense is kind of just like an added bonus a little bit. 
All right, man, let's cram one more break in here. Then we're going to be talking Dallas, New York Rangers, and St. Louis. And I got a couple spot starts for Monday. And I got an, I got another question for you, too. Another r- random question. Oh. I don't think there's much there, but I want to get your take on it. All right, guys, stick around. All right, man, let's kick it off with the New York Rangers. No surprise here. I'm still going to talk about Adam Fox and Tony D'Angelo. I'm not going to talk too much about them because they've been well-documented on this podcast. Tony D'Angelo, he's on the higher end in ESPN, but he's available in half of Yahoo leagues. He's getting top power play. His peripherals aren't really there as much as Fox, but the shots and the points are solid. For Fox, 42% in Yahoo, 44% in ESPN. The blocks are good to great. The shots are like right on par with Tony D, usually getting that second power play deployment. Definitely like Tony D a little bit better here. I'd rather have the offense from him than marginally better blocks from Adam Fox. Uh, Capo Caco is the next guy. 43% in Yahoo, 65% in ESPN. Starting to kick it in to high gear a little bit. He's got assists in four out of his last six games. Eight shots on goal in his last game. And three power play points in this span, too. Uh, I don't think he's got anything tonight. It's still early on against the San Jose Sharks. Actually, it's 2-2 already. Wow. That one's just going to be a shooting gallery. What game is this? The uh, Rangers and San Jose Sharks is 2-2 already. Wow, that game's like half over already. Wow. Anywho, the next guy, Ryan Strom, a little bit uh, a little bit higher owned. 60% in ESPN, 51% in Yahoo. Second power play, he's still producing. He's got an assist on an Artemi Panarin goal tonight. And I think the best well, one to look he's back. He's back on that top line with Panarin and Kako. Yeah, they switched it up per that uh, Brennan Lemieux thing. But it's David Quinn. That's what that's what he does. He mixes that stuff up. Uh, next up, Chris Kreider, forty six percent in Yahoo, thirty nine percent in ESPN. He's got a goal and an assist in his last two, almost two hits and two shots a game on average, and over a pim a game. And that's in large part to that twenty pim game that he had last week. Kreider top line for now, top power play pretty much all year. Just watch out for David Quinn. All right, next up, I'm going to talk Dallas here, and I guess we got to bring up Matthias Janmark. I assume you're still high on him. Until until he lets me down tomorrow night or becomes a golden god. You know what I noticed? He's not on the power play anymore. So the chances of me uh, taking three shots back-to-back have dropped to zero at the time being. You can't hate Matthias, the even strike Matthias, deployment, man. Dude, Matthias Janmark, even though he's not supposed to go out there, he's going to go out on the power play anyway. He's going to do an old, old-school Anthony Sorelli. It's going to be six men on the ice. I think you can't do that. I don't think you can do that. Matthias Janmark can. And what are you talking about? I see him on the second power play. Left wing lock's been a little weird, man. So I got... Oh, he is. Yeah, you're right. Whoops. I guess it's just easy to overlook his name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What about it? I swear it was Dennis Gurionov, man. This is all going to be for nothing because he's going to do jack shit tomorrow night, probably. (laughs) Yeah. But, man... Do I hope so? Yeah, I want to hear you talk about Matthias Janmark. All right. Uh, basically, his best argument is his even strength deployment, and he's got that power play with, with Joe Pavelski and Roddick Fox and Corey Perry. You know, I don't like the power play, but the minutes are okay. 15 and a half to 16. A couple of points in his last five. One of them is a power play point. Six shots, a hit, six blocks in his last five games. There's a chance, you know, but I'm still, I'm still not sold. Rupi Hints. However, 38% in Yahoo, 34% in ESPN. Yeah, he he's hitting, should be owned. He should be owned. <laughs> he's hitting over a hit a game 
And more recently, he's had over a hit and a half per game. Two shots on goal, also per game. Second line center between Pavelski and Radulov. And top power play time. This guy's, like you said, got to be owned, especially next week. Who do you got from St. Louis, man? I know you like their schedule. At least maybe for the early week, right? Because they yeah. have those two off nights back-to-back almost. That's definitely what it is. I, I like their early week schedule because they play Monday and Wednesday. So I can optimize that uh, those first couple of days and pick them up already this weekend. They play Colorado on Monday and Edmonton on Wednesday. Like I said before, I like Jordan Carew. Don't totally know why, but maybe it's because he plays on the first line with Schwartz and Shen. And he still is getting second power play unit time. Had two hits we in talk- that game. We talked, uh, we talked about him a little bit uh, last night. Like we said before, he's 1% or less owned in both Yahoo and ESPN, so he's out there. But, dude, I, I, I like Jordan Carew. And then I also like Tyler Bozak, also 1% owned in Yahoo, 6% owned in ESPN. He's on that second line with Perron and, and Ryan O'Reilly. He's also on the second power play. He is... I mean, not bad. He has a goal and an assist in his last five, but he only has three goals and nine assists in the whole year and zero points on the power play. So, so much that second power play is doing for him ain't shit. One thing that does really worry me, though, is he only has 46 shots on the year in that same 32 games. That's pitiful. It's at 6.5% shooting percentage. His career average is a 13. I don't, I don't like that, but I guess... Between the two, if I had to choose, I would choose Bozak. He's obviously a much more established player compared to Caruso. So I trust what I see, I guess. So while we're on St. Louis, this is the question I had to ask you. Oscar Sundquist. He is fourth line, but he's got eight points in his last nine games. And a goal and an assist tonight. Shooting at 21.7% in his last nine games. Like, what's, what's going on here? Is this moving your radar at all? That's definitely a heater. It's I, something I hate that the I deployment. Hope... I love the production. I hate the deployment. I hate it. Yeah. So you you hope that... I mean, there's room for movement on those lines. The people in front of him right now are Troy Brower, Tyler Bozak, and Jordan Carew. No. That's who's in front of him in the depth chart right now. So, so that's one thing you have to like about Oscar Sundquist. If he continues to do this, you have to be an idiot to not to keep him on the fourth line. And it's not like he's always been on the fourth line. So that is one great thing about Sunquist is there is room for upward movement. And a lot of times we're talking about these guys that are on the third line who are like, this guy's really good, but there's just no way for him to, to get to the top of the lineup. Like he has to, he has to leapfrog two all-stars. Not going to happen for Oscar Sunquist, Very feasible. It's a really weird situation where they have him in uh, tonight. He actually had, he actually got 16.35 tonight, but he was hurt there for a little bit. So this is him coming back. He's back in the lineup for Thursday for tonight's game against Vegas. He's been at, he's been phenomenal in their bottom six, but he had 16.35 time on ice tonight. And that's something that if, if he does get that look up, up the lineup, he's somebody that's moving the needle for me. And I'm, I'm going to be, Keeping him in my back pocket, but I'm paying attention. I want to talk a couple spot starts here for Monday as we won't be back onto the airwaves until then. And in case you guys do have like next day ads or something, with Monday being a light day, I love that Ottawa at Florida game, man. Connolly, 
left wing, right wing, 20% in Yahoo, 25% in ESPN. Four goals in his last seven games, and that's on 16 shots. He is still unsustainable, and that is contradictory to a certain degree because unsustainable should mean that you stop doing it. But we've seen it before with players that have been able to do this for an entire year. But I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Brett Connolly, but you can't ignore it. And three of these four goals have been on the power play in his last seven games. Ottawa, as we know, they're not a good team. The chance is definitely there for Brett Connolly. I'm also digging on that Nashville at New York Rangers game, man. Callie Arncroke, criminally under-owned, especially with his recent play. He's got, all right, so he's got six points in his last six games, 11 points in his last 11 games, 2.4 shots on goal, nothing for peripherals, two power play points, top power play two. Another assist tonight, that was added into like the 6-6, six and 11-11. Six, and 11. He's got to be owned in leagues where you need offense. And especially going up against New York Rangers, who are dead last in shots against. I like it. I'm definitely picking up on that one. I already own Callie Arncroke, but because he's so criminally under-owned, I want you guys to own him too. Go out for it. You do love Callie Arncroke. I, I, I really do. All right, buddy, does that make it a day? It feels like it. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. This is our week preview. You can reach out to us at LO underscore fantasy NHL on Twitter. You can join our Discord. Monday, we're going to be back. I'm not sure what we're doing. I don't know if we're going to be doing the stress test. I feel like we've covered a lot of players. Maybe we'll just do like a straight up episode, you know? Sweet. So we're going to catch you guys next week. Enjoy your weekend. Good luck. And if you have any questions for us, we'll, we'll be in the Discord. I'll be on Twitter. So hit us up there, man. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Love you.